0: For NFT newbies and OGs in Web3 alike, welcome to the Women in Web3 podcast sponsored by Weld Recruiting. I'm your host, Carly Long, and I'm super excited to help break down the barriers to entry in the space and introduce you to some leaders who are doing truly amazing things. So let's dive in. Welcome, everyone. Today, we have Stacey Elliott and Kate Irwin joining us on Women in Web3. They are basically our reporters on Web3. I feel like they're both at Decrypt. It's a guide to Bitcoin, Ethereum, all things Web3. Stacey, Kate, do you want to give yourselves a, a little intro, maybe about your, your favorite things to write about or what you mostly cover, how people might get to come across your work most often?
1: Yeah, um... So I think with me and Kate, you kind of got like the two polar opposite, like ends of uh, Web3. So I cover a lot of like institutional investing, like how TradFi is trying to get into the space, like that kind of stuff. Like I wind up talking to Wall Street banks and things like that. I used to work at Goldman Sachs um, for a little bit before I came back into journalism and then got into covering crypto. And then that is a good segue to then (laughs) let Kate introduce herself, because she covers like the all the cool stuff with like gaming and NFTs.
2: Yeah, I I tend to cover more of the culture angle and the intersection between the music industry and Hollywood and the film industry and Web3. So any kind of NFT uh, initiatives that those that those um, big names and those spaces are doing Web3 gaming. Um, a lot of Yuga Labs news, sometimes some Coinbase stuff, Google stuff. Um, during the bull market, I covered a lot of uh, fund funding rounds, like VC funding rounds for different entertainment-focused companies and different Web three gaming projects. Um, so that that's sort of what I'm what I'm up to for Decrypt.
0: That's awesome. I'm curious if either one of you sleeps because <laughs> everyone I've <laughs> talked to, there's been a trend of Web3 is just nonstop. And being the media who needs to capture everything that's going on, um, what, how do you guys do it?
1: <laughs> I mean, we're completely remote and we do wind up having like pretty decent coverage. I think there's only one time zone that we don't have someone in So, like, for instance, I'm on the East Coast, Kate's on the West Coast, um, and then we've got, like, the EU crew that starts, like, you know, five hours before I even uh, bother trying to log on. So, it it works out that, like, I don't think too many of us have to work crazy hours, but it does, like, there's been plenty of times for me where, like, I'm trying to write a post, but the story keeps changing, and I'm like, sorry, I have to update this post right now, and then, you know give me another half hour, <laughs> that kind of thing. I don't know. Kate, yeah. how do you manage?
2: Yeah, I actually, I actually think it's, it's not that difficult once you really try to cut through the noise, because there's a lot of noise in this space and a lot of people trying to shill their stuff. And once you kind of are able to cut through the shill And, you know, the clutter of my inbox, which is full of thousands of pitches from people saying, my NFT project is blah, blah, blah. My NFT marketplace is blah, blah, blah. Like once you really cut through the noise of just people shilling their stuff and really get to like, OK, what are the names that matter in this space? What are the companies making waves? who is raising, you know, massive amounts of money, who is getting funded by prominent VCs in web2 and web3. And once you really cut through that noise, I think the number of stories that that I want to write is significantly reduced because I definitely don't want to be just sort of writing up every single little thing that happens in this space. A lot of it is probably not going to be around in 6 months to a year. And so I think it's it's a part of my responsibility as a journalist to really understand what matters and what doesn't, and um, really stay on top of of that whole industry in terms of prioritizing, you know, what stories I should cover.
0: Are those sort of the criteria that you have on how you decide what to even cover? Is it is it looking at you know, who's investing, how much money they've raised, um, if they've been around for a while, um, for both of your types of stories, what are the, the things that you look at to discern whether something is noise or a, a big story, or maybe even a unicorn that no one else has like found out yet. Um, is that something you have to like take a risk on if your gut is like, this is a story I want to tell, but it might be a total flop or a rug pull. <laughs> um,
1: I don't know. I mean, like for me, like a lot of the big financial firms basically want you to write like every single like personnel move. Like they'll send you every little like iteration of like a change on a fund or something like that. And it's, it's not all worth writing. Like we, we try to get some of the big launches, um, And, you know, I try to look for trend pieces. Sometimes it's easier. Like there was, there's been a ton of news out of like the mining companies recently rather than writing up each one of those as like a separate post. Like, you know, we'll kind of make a decision like, okay, what can we pull out of all of these? That's going to tell a story that kind of resonates with the whole industry for mining. And we'll do some of that. So that helps cut down, I think on some of the having to write a ton of stories all in one day or a very short clip, like, you're just trying to help put it all together in one big picture that's going to, you know, kind of resonate with the reader. Um, the other thing, too, is and I mean, I'm just going to echo what Kate said. Like, we're we're really trying to, like, counteract the shill. Like, no journalist ever wants to feel like they're basically being a shill for mm-hmm. somebody's project or a thing like that. I remember at some point I wrote about I can't even remember the name of it now, but like a whole community will be in your Twitter mentions for months. Like if you've written about their project. <laughs> and they feel and they're like bugging you to try to please write about us again and like it can be hard because like sometimes you do have to actually reach out and reply to people and say look i wrote about you guys because you were newsworthy but i can't i can't give you a bump every time you want your bags to go up you know
2: yeah that's that's a big problem in in the nft space and the gaming space too um if you write about a certain blockchain but you don't sort of promote them enough; they they get mm-hmm. mad at you, and and so there is a lot of this sort of Twitter <clears throat> conversations. Um, but Twitter is still extremely important um, for me because there are so many angel investors doing stuff in Web three who are kind of self described degens, and they'll be you know they'll have hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter, and they'll be investing in different projects and you know, some of those names um, are of interest to people and, and what they're doing. Um, they are making some big moves with with larger like Web3 VCs and and people like that. And so we're really seeing a lot of um, sort of investment news and, and that does weigh into me deciding, okay, do I want to cover this? Is like, okay, you know, what are the big names involved? And And sort of what are they up to on Twitter, but it's, it's really hard to stay on top of all of it. I have been immersed, like deeply immersed in NFT Twitter for over a year now. And I still feel like there's so much news that I miss all the time um, because people are just constantly engaging.
0: It's a huge job and it's, it's a lot to keep track of. I feel like, especially when there's, I, the media is just so political nowadays with people I've worked in PR. I know how to sell and spin a story, right? Like I, if you don't understand how the whole editorial and news cycle works, like it's, it's a lot of work on your guys' part to keep your integrity and like figure Mm -hmm. out what stories are worth telling. But I, I want to kind of back up, like before, Kate, you mentioned you've been in NFT Twitter for a year. I know beforehand you were in Hollywood Studios, I think it was. And Stacy, you mentioned at the beginning of the call that you used to work at Goldman Sachs. So at what point did you guys transition into Web3 and what made you super bullish? Like, this is what I'm doing. This will be my focus, my niche. Let's let's go
2: yeah, I mean, I kind of fell into it. I've always been a writer, and I've always been interested in journalism. Um, I've always done it on the side, everything from like high school newspaper, then college newspaper, then, you know, just continuing to sort of do it and and really feeling like um, like when I was working in corporate Hollywood, that I wasn't being as creative as I wanted to be. And I also didn't feel like my voice was being heard in every situation. And to me, that's part of what is exciting about being able to be a journalist and be a writer is, is you are able to sort of have, have a voice in the news. Um, Obviously, you know, we're trying to convey things very objectively and very truthfully and factually and like really do our, our proper reporting and stuff like that. But um, for me, I was... I've always been interested in tech and sci-fi and, you know, living in Berkeley for four years, really getting immersed in like the San Francisco, like Bay Area kind of um, tech scene and seeing that and, and seeing the good sides of it and also seeing the bad sides of it. And, um, you know, like I even interviewed at Facebook once um, after undergrad to be like a content writer for their like help section or something, but this was many, many years ago. And um, just sort of getting a peek inside that world, I always found, I always found it to be very interesting. And I think Web3 is really the next version of that. I think some of the Silicon Valley companies um, are, are trying to sort of play catch up now to Web3 and like really um, be on the the next wave of, of technology. And so that's why it's all so interesting to me as a writer that's Um, awesome what about you stacy
1: i got in it feels like it's longer ago but i think it was just last spring is when i became uh, a crypto journalist um so i started as a business journalist um back when i first got out of j school i took the very traditional journalist route like i went through j school and everything i was also on my high school paper (laughs) um and I started just as a regular business journalist. I was covering like small business for a Jersey paper for three years. Then I went and was working for like a little bit more of a like personal finance publication. Um, after that, I was over at Fortune where I was the data editor and I was a team of one. <laughs> and then we increased the team up to two. But, you know, throughout the whole thing, I was always working with data Um it just it felt like that was always kind of like my special like view of the world that would help me discover stories before other people caught them. Because I've never been big on like, you know, going to the bar and I'm going to schmooze with my sources and like get them comfortable enough with me. That they're going to tell me stuff they're not supposed to. Like my thing is digging through data and trying to find stuff that other people haven't found that's just sitting out in the open. Um, so that's why business journalism has always kind of been like my my thing especially, um, including data there. So eventually I wanted to get deeper into the tech side of it. So I wound up going over to Goldman to do something completely different and work for their tech risk, um, department or or vertical i can't remember what they called it they have like it's funny because they um i think they call hr over there like human capital like everything is different over there every like goldman ease is a whole thing (laughs) um but i was over there for three years um i worked as a product manager i was writing a lot of SQL to query our databases and everything like that um But it gave me a really interesting look at the inside of like a huge financial institution, how they make decisions. Like, I think at some point we were even talking about some of the crypto stuff and having conversations. And this is like 2018. So like, it gave me a really good view of like just how long it can take a huge institution to make the decision that they want to get into crypto. I think it's only recently that they've announced they're doing that. But it's three years ago that I knew they had started the conversation. And I don't think it started when I got there. Um. So I wound up leaving just because like the corporate grind really was wearing me down. And it was something I didn't realize it like when I left journalism, but I just missed knowing that my name by default was going to be on all of my work that like I wasn't going to have to do these crazy things of trying to position myself and make sure I got credit for all my contributions and making sure I was only doing projects where I was going to be properly credited and visible and seen like if you're a journalist, your name is on your work, like your byline is what's letting people know that like, hey, I did that. And I think I just missed that being the norm. Like I didn't, I got to the point where I was like, okay, well, I could work on this project that my colleague at Goldman says is really interesting, but am I going to get properly credited? Is that worth it? And like having to do that algebra all the time to figure out like what's worth it is very draining. Um, So coming back to journalism was a no brainer. And then getting into crypto, like a, an old colleague of mine reached out and was like, hey, I'm working on this new startup. It's going to be an institutional crypto newsletter. Do you want in? And I've known him for a long time. So I said, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then not too long after that, Decrypt came calling and I said yes.
0: That's awesome. I love that you both had a bit of an inkling in the beginning of like what what you wanted to do, who you wanted to be, but your paths to like hone your voice and Stacey your your thing, if you want to call it that. Um, I I love that. It's so cool, and you've both wound up like you said, kind of working on opposite types of stories and niches and focuses, but equally successful in just bringing Web three to the forefront. I, I'm curious. Whether it's, like, when you first decided to dive in or questions that you've got along the way, like, in your Twitter DMs or emails or whatever it may be, is there, like, a number one thing that you think still needs to be demystified about the space or that people don't understand or in feedback to what you write, people are like, wait, what are you even talking about? (laughs) Even if it's, like, just a simple acronym... I will say, and
1: see, now I'm just going to shill our brand, but it's our brand. Um, This is a shilling zone. um,
0: (laughs) Women in Web 3, I mean, (laughs) my newsletter, the podcast, I'm like, I want to feature what you guys are doing. That's the whole point. So like, pump yourselves up.
1: (laughs) It's like a point of pride for me that we try to make all of our content very accessible. Like we have a very deep learn section of our website and, you know, like our My editor, and I think he edits you too, Guillermo, is always coming back at me with notes to say, like, explain this, don't assume the reader knows what this is, make sure you're linking back to this thing, put an explainer here, like all the time. And it can feel repetitive sometimes, but it just overall makes all of the content more accessible. I think, I mean, one of the things that we always talk about internally is like an uh, edit group is just... You know, what does Web3 actually mean? What is the metaverse? How are we using that word? Like, I know we've gone back and forth on like, does Bitcoin get capitalized? Does it get lowercase? When do you use each? Like that kind of thing. Um, So I think there's like shifting definitions of like what these catchphrases actually mean. I remember the other day on a call, we talked about like, you know, are we using blockchain too broadly as a stand-in for everything? And What does that really mean? Um, So trying to keep up with that can be a little little challenging
0: absolutely and how i mean we don't call web 2 web 2 anymore so eventually web 3 Mm -hmm. won't even
2: uh, won't even be used
0: what are your thoughts kate
2: yeah i think i think right now um the word the metaverse and web 3 are, are really just being like overused as buzzwords for sure um And a lot of companies sort of want to jump onto the hype and and jump onto the bandwagon by saying, like, we're Web3 when it's really like, is it I mean, is connecting a wallet and minting an NFT like is that Web3? Like, I guess I guess so. I mean, a lot of people have argued that that's really just like Web 2.5 because you're still using Google Chrome, you're still using a browser extension. Um, you know, you're still using the traditional like web storage systems, you're not really using the blockchain for like storage. Um, so I, I think a lot of that could still be demystified in terms of, you know, how that works. I also think with NFTs, a lot of people don't know that um, the NFT is, is really just something, it's just an Ethereum token that is a non-fungible type of Ethereum token and um the art you know for like a board ape or a crypto punk or any kind of like uh, metaverse land that is the associated metadata to the nft so the nft isn't the ape it isn't the punk it isn't that piece of art it's the that's the associated metadata and then the nft is just the token that gets thrown around as kind of like the signifier that you own that um thing so I think a lot of that is is still unclear in the space for most people, and um, a, a lot of people have theorized like, oh, I hope the word NFT goes away in a year or two, and you know a lot of people are convinced that the word NFT is going to go away completely, and people will just be buying and selling crypto assets um, without really referring to them as NFTs. I don't know that that's true. I think... I think that, word, that acronym is going to stick around for a while until there's like a better way to describe it. Um, that said, I do think that a lot of crypto stuff is going to start happening behind the scenes, but companies are going to have to really decide like why do we need crypto for this? You know, why do we need this to be on the blockchain? What is the benefits and the drawbacks? Because not everything has to be on the blockchain, right? Not everything has to be um, made crypto. You know, I'm not like a Web3 maximalist or anything. Um, so there are like certain certain situations where that's good that it's on the blockchain. There are certain situations where it's really not necessary and the company is just sort of jumping onto this like hype bandwagon, you know, in hopes that they continue to get more funding or, or something like that.
0: That's so important, I feel, for companies and people to know. Uh, But equally important is having writers like you guys and and marketers, if it's on a company project too, to be able to demystify these things. Um, Gosh, at least for the next few years, because I feel like even still I learn something new every day or like your version of what an NFT is, right? Like it's totally different still than what someone else might describe it as. So it's really cool to watch that evolution. Mm -hmm. Um, but also just, I think highlights the work that you're doing and how necessary it is to get more of a, uh, like mutual understanding of this technology. Uh, I want to ask a, maybe a hard question to you both. That's the last question today. Um, what is a either favorite or memorable article you've written or person you've interviewed, um, a, a story or interview of the sort that we can link and highlight and share with everyone that you were like, this is, this is one that stands out. I know those questions are hard, so you hmm. can take a moment.
2: <laughs> I have a few. It's hard to go pick for a few. That's one. awesome. Do it. Do a few. <laughs> yeah um i mean like a first one that i thought was really cool was being able to talk to dylan francis when he got his board ape sort of gifted to him as like a part of a residency deal um to do some shows for this um sort of nightclub manager um and his entertainment company so I have been listening to Dylan Francis since like I was in middle school or something. So it was really just kind of a crazy, like full circle kind of experience um, to, to really be able to talk to someone in, in who's into crypto, who whose music I've been following for a long time and sort of get a sense of like, Oh, okay. Like, why do you like, you know, Solana and, and sort of have all these fun conversations. I also think, it's been interesting to talk to some other people um, like Jimmy Edgar, who's another uh, music producer turned visual artist. And he had a really um, sort of mo- a little more controversial take on um, NFTs because he wasn't really into music NFTs, but he's really into visual art NFTs. Um, and he's not really sure that um, any sort of like royalty based um, music NFT models will will end up working. But I just think coming at it from a sort of like an artist, my all my articles where I talk to artists and and really get a sense of like why they're excited about um, crypto and web three and NFTs, that's exciting. And I also like to hear their criticisms and electronic musicians specifically. I've talked to a lot of them now, and like music producers like Ilmine, he's like a more hip-hop producer. Just being able to talk to them, they are super knowledgeable actually. <laughs> and and I think, and they've said this, and and uh, I, I think I've sort of gleaned this too, is is it's they're so knowledgeable because they make music on their computers and they're already so tech inclined. And so I think we're just seeing this huge wave of electronic musicians um, like Deadmau5, Steve Aoki, you know, all these guys, they're just super into exploring what crypto can do and what blockchain can do and what computers can do in general. And um, so those stories have been some of my favorites, just personally as as well as for for work
0: yeah that's a super cool overlap there one that i feel like people kind of miss or don't think of um i generally don't you know like put music and tech together but there is such a a crossover especially now stacy what about you
1: um so i had time to like type and find because i wanted to make sure i got um her company right so I got to talk to Chelsea Manning earlier this year, which was really fun. It took such a long time to try to get that set up because, like, packed schedule. Um, but we spent, like, a whole hour just talking about privacy and all the different issues in the space. And it was really interesting talking to her specifically about it because she was into cryptography and privacy long time ago, like, before as she puts it all the finance bros and wall street people came rushing into the space and kind of like became the face of it and so the way she kind of explained like her contribution or her role with the company is to try to start going out to the communities that like have always been into cryptography and privacy and try to convince them to come back into it now like into crypto um So that that was really good. And just she's so she was so candid, like, and I love it when interviewers are very candid with me and just kind of like off the cuff. Um, That was really good. And then I've also and this is through our podcast, I've gotten to talk to Sam Bakeman, Freed and CZ and that was kind of like back to back. We did we talked to CZ first and I got to push him on the whole like, where's your headquarters going to be? They still haven't said, by the way. (laughs) But like, I've been wondering where this is going to be ever since I started covering the space. So to like actually have him like, you know, looking at him in Riverside and being like, no, really, where, where is it going to be? I hope
0: you're the first to break it once it does come out. <laughs> I really hope be, so, I'll too. I'll be looking to you. <laughs> you but guys should mean, have a little, like, a little deal going.
1: <laughs> I ping their PR every now and then like anything. <laughs> and then Classic. um, I got to talk to Sam last year because we named him... I, I want to say it's our founder of the year, um, for 2021, and then he did a returning um guest appearance on the GM podcast that I co-host with Dan. It's me and a few other people. Kate was actually just on it recently, as a co-host. Um, but that was really good because he, like, he was kind of talking about this whole idea of him like coming in and saving a bunch of different companies after everything that happened earlier this year. Um, you know, with 3AC and Luna just cratering and you know he it's interesting just hearing how he sees himself because i think so like he he's become a very polarizing figure i don't think he was at the start of this year but he's now quite polarizing um and i think he's very aware of that and it's just interesting to get his thoughts on it because he's very much not the kind of person that you would think would like seek the spotlight but like you can't he can't escape it at this point Um, And he continues to say that, like, he thinks the most exciting thing that they're working on, despite everything that's in the headlines all the time, is this company they bought that has a license from the CFTCRA to do derivatives trading in the U.S. And he just continues to say that that's the most exciting thing. I think it's LedgerX is the company they bought. They've since rebranded it as FTX something, but you know like i'm i'm looking to see what that company does like he he knows something internally that we all don't about what they're getting ready to launch or how they're getting ready to position themselves and so it's just fun picking his brain because he just has all these very like considered and academic ideas about things and you you know when he's kind of gearing up to like really like take you somewhere
0: <laughs> so that's really cool
1: those are definitely my two favorites
0: yeah and i it's it's crazy just to note like how much can change in the course of a year in this space so who knows we will definitely have to check back in with you both soon uh in the meantime where can everyone follow you and your stories and all the breaking news for the web3 space that you're working on
1: um i am stacy and jay on twitter but i'm much quieter than kate is on twitter so
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's okay me too (laughs) Yeah, I uh, I have my little alias is my Twitter handle. It's PixieKate13. Um, some people have asked me about it, about that handle, and I've just been like, well, it was my internet alias, and I'm not gonna change it now. So,
0: mm-hmm. I like it. Run with it. We will drop them both in the show notes. Kate, Stacy, thank you so much for coming on today. It was awesome getting to chat with you. Sure. Thanks, Carly. Thanks for Thank you all so much for listening today. If you enjoyed today's guest and podcast, be sure to write, subscribe, comment, all the things, and definitely get in touch. I love to connect with y'all. I love to hear what you're working on, any feedback or comments. If you want to meet a guest, if you want to be a guest, just reach out. You can find me, your host, Carly Long, at by Carly Long on all social media platforms. You can subscribe to my weekly newsletter, which is also Women in Web 3, and you can follow along at Weld Recruiting. Be sure to let us know however we can support you, and we look forward to our next episode.